This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI-audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you again from home, obviously, uh, continuing our lockdown in Scotland, uh, where I live. So, uh, yeah, that's the case. Um, we've got uh, Sean Priest still in his shed in Manchester. Uh, still locked down, or is that uh, is that just everyday life for you, Sean? Well, it's been my everyday life for as long as I can remember. I love my shed, and I'm never leaving. But uh, lockdown is easing, so we're getting there slowly. I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent. Well, we've got a special guest with us this week. I'm so pleased to welcome the uh, amazing Shelley Brisbane from the Parallel Podcast on Relay FM, uh, Max Accessibility, and a ton of other things as well that I'm sure uh, she will tell us about. Hello, Shelley. Hello, hello. I'm locked down here in Texas. It's uh, nice to be back. Yeah, but you get better weather than we do, so it's... You know. uh, let's not call better. I mean, it was no, uh, it was thirty six C yesterday, ninety eight uh, Fahrenheit. So let's not forget okay. the barbecues you have over there as well. Yeah, I mean, we do have on. those, and yes. uh, had some over the Fourth of July weekend. We did all the American things one does, or oh. some of the American things one does in social distancing land. But <laughs> oh yeah, happy Happy Independence Day. How's that going? Oh, that's just that's just going great. I wore my mask to eat barbecue, and yeah. do you want do you want do you want the Brits to come back and take over again? We don't mind. You know, every British person I know is lovely, so come on over. Ah, well, prepare for that to change. We'll get we'll get the place back in order. Don't worry. I mean, it'll be boring, and you'll have terrible teeth. By the way, hello Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yes, and, and it was Canada Day the week before as well. So yeah, yeah, birthday Canada. Even. I don't think we even marked it, which is shocking. We were a day late. I don't like being belated, so um, that's true. Uh, we left it. Um, anyway, we've got lots to talk about this week. Uh, we do. We've got so much to get through. I've been out for a wee walk. Um, <gasps> that's a Scottish uh, version of a small walk, uh, and I've been doing it with the wee walk smart cane. Uh, oh, yeah, that's I think clever. that worked. Yeah. Um, it's probably lost in Not funny, but slightly. clever. <laughs> didn't, no, no one said this was funny. Uh, but this this is the WeWalk Smart Cane. Uh, it's an interesting little product, and I'll be telling you my thoughts on it a bit later. Can you smarten up the white cane and do we want to? Do you use a white cane, Shelley? I have a folding cane that I carry for those situations when I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know what's happening right now. I actually got to see the WeWalk cane at CSUN, mm. which is the last thing I went out of the house for a few months back. <laughs> Uh, but but typically, no, I carry a, a folding cane and just having it there because I have some vision, it, it makes me feel uh, more confident. It means that I, I know I'll be OK when I get to those places where the terrain is unfamiliar. OK, well, we're going to be uh, hearing about that. I mean, I've just got it. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about what I found already. And uh, you can you can uh, I think the key thing is how well does it do in the rain? Because in Scotland, <laughs> we get point. rain a lot. And, All those um, electronics on yeah. the top of it. Exactly. So uh, we'll find out. I'll, I'll tell you a bit about that later. Uh, also, checking in with your emails as well and voicemails. Uh, Sean, if someone wants to get in touch with us on uh, the phone, if someone wants to call in and leave us a voicemail, what should they do? You can call us on one eight six six five zero nine four five four five, And don't forget, because Stephen gets angry, to give us permission to use your audio on the air. I think I'm confusing people because I've been talking a lot about custard. Now I have to. Now we've got Shelley on, who's uh, I believe what we might call a bona fide American. Correct. Um, uh, this is the thing. A lot of American listeners are getting confused by the term uh, the custard, as I refer to. Is this is this a thing? Do you know custard? 
There, there is a thing called custard. I wonder whether it's the same thing. Do we, are we all saying the same thing when we say custard? Yeah, I know. So here's what I, I do with it. I would pour my custard over my cake. Oh, interesting. Uh, oh. We'd probably have ice cream on top of our cake, but, you know. You don't <laughs> custard, custard on cake was probably tasty. I, I, I've never done it, though. Well, what do okay. Americans do with custard? Uh, just <laughs> eat it on its own. Sometimes what? it's offered as a dessert uh, at a... You know, it goes on top of a pie. <laughs> yeah, it goes on top, on top of, of things. Yeah, I mean, oh, we're really? talking apple okay. pie here. Yeah, so apple pie. See, that's or... like cream, whipped cream, or um, uh, ice cream would be what those who put things on pie would more typically do. So that's interesting. And there are flavors of custard in in England. Yes, uh, there's colors. There's pink and yellow. Of course. <laughs> pink and yellow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. That doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> I feel like we've gone off on a slight tangent here. <laughs> Well, the reason I bring it up is I because... I just answered the questions. Yeah, well, here's... <laughs> That's the safest bet here, trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this this is a very different uh, show to your show, let me tell you. Uh, but, no, I mean, I, I think that, that one of the reasons I bring this up is because every single... Every week we talk about this and I always say, right, look, you know, if you don't leave a, a message with us that says it's okay for you or us to use your voicemail on air, I will, you know, pour custard over Sean and Tim, who is normally with us. Uh, and uh, I think this is confusing people because no one knows what on earth I'm talking about. Confuses fairness, me. That's nothing new. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, shall we talk about the iPhone? Please. Um, sure. <laughs> or anything tech-related. Um, yeah. So the iPhone SE, uh, there's a bit of a question mark at the moment uh, around what its capabilities will be with the new iOS 14, whoa, whoa, whoa. which Stephen, is due to launch in September. Yes. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but we got to be exact here because you said the iPhone SE. Now, the exact name is iPhone SE 2020, isn't it? Is that, is that the official name? I believe so, yes. Well, well that's what I'm calling SE, it, so well, that's official. I would call official. it the iPhone SE 2, but okay. okay. Um, anyway, the latest iPhone SE, if that makes you feel better. I'm happy with that. Continue. Is that, does that, are the lawyers happy at AMI? <laughs> yes. Good, okay. Um, so, yeah, the iPhone SE 2 or 2020, or the one that just came out recently. Uh, the question mark is, um, will it support all of the new accessibility features? Now... This came up as a result of a few people. Uh, David Woodbridge of Vision Australia had been uh, sending a lot of messages after uh, downloading the developer version of iOS 14 onto his SE and noticing, for example, that the back tap feature, which is an accessibility feature and enables you to use the back of your phone to double tap or triple tap on as a gesture, wasn't something that worked on the new iPhone SE. Uh, And there was also talk that perhaps... The uh, the SE would not support voiceover recognition, one of the big features that has come out of uh, the the new announcements on iOS 14. Um, Shelley, what have you been hearing about this? Is, is this what you've been hearing as well, or do you know more what, than us? What I I haven't heard specifically about the SE, the new SE, and actually, if you look on Apple's site, it says iPhone SE, and then there's a little new right below it. So I don't oh, believe 2020 go. is part of the name that they're oh. using. The the SE twenty see now you just almost made me say it the the new <laughs> SE uh, has the A thirteen chip, which is the same chip that the iPhone ten and above ten S and above models do, and the reason I looked that up is because I heard an interview with some Apple folk on Apple Viz uh, where they said that you had to have a ten S or greater 
to support voiceover recognition. Yeah. And I didn't even know this question was going to come up. I just inadvertently did research for you last night. Oh, wow. And, uh, professional. So I, w- I was super curious about that. And, and the other que- the question I don't know, similarly, the, the 10R, is the 10R, because it's in the same generation as the 10S, going to support it? But because the SE has the A13 chip that those 10-level phones have, it should support voiceover recognition if it's the chip that makes it capable of doing so. The answer is, I don't know, but it ought to. <laughs> well, and the, the, the tapback thing surprises me. I'm, I'm a little, yeah. uh, it's a little flummoxing to me that it isn't supported. It's interesting because the back tap feature is the one that there's still a question mark over. And I guess the question is, why? As for voiceover recognition, uh, David Woodbridge did report the other day that uh, he has managed to get voiceover recognition to work on the iPhone SE, the new one. So that's good. That means it is that, that feature actually is there, uh, and it's clearly working. But for some reason, the back tap feature doesn't. Now, could it just be an issue with the beta that perhaps it will just roll out eventually? Well, actually, Stephen, I've got breaking news on that, and that is that it will be in the public beta release. The backtap feature will be there for the new SE. Wow! Ah, mm. excellent. It's in the uh, beta notes, apparently, that it will be there when the public beta is released. I, I'm so glad you brought that, and I'm so, so glad you said that, because the reason I brought this up this week was because my question mark was, we've been talking a lot here on Double Tap about the... SE being, as I refer to it, the iPhone BE, the blind edition, um, because it's such a great phone for blind people, right? I mean, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Shelley, because you're someone with low vision. Would you say it that? Would you see it that way, or? I th- I think it is, and especially it's it's uh, my mother has an SE, and she has an older SE. She has macular degeneration. She's still very partial to the button, and I don't feel like. Uh, and this is not true of all blind people, but I, I feel like for some, especially who've been using an iPhone for a while, uh, having the button is still of benefit. The size of the phone, because you're not having to look at a screen, is a benefit. The cost is a benefit. The, Ace, the SE is a great blindness phone, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, it it totally makes sense. It's a, and it's a really good value. I mean, as I say, it has the A13 chip, which is the same chip that's in the current models of phone and it's actually a little bigger than the original se it's the size of an iphone 8 yeah that's right and that is what's great about it the size is good it's a brilliant device um but you know from your point of view though i think because i I, we get wrapped up a little bit when tim's here and sean and i are talking about this we, we kind of get wrapped up in our own little bubble you know because our vision's at the level where we are not using the screen we're only using voiceover uh, you know we kind of we, i think we get They'd be stuck in our bubble thinking yes. that, you know, well, this is the phone for blind people. And yes, I'm talking about you as well, Sean. No, that's um, fine. I'll agree with that. But, but it's true, isn't it? That <laughs> it we is. do. And, and then I think that's why it's so great you're here, Shelley, because you're going to look at this a bit differently. Because I think from someone from a low vision point of view might not think the SE is, is such a great phone. It kind of depends on whether you are a maximalist when it comes to phone sizes. Some people with low vision, especially who are using Zoom a lot, have the biggest phones. And I've never had the biggest phones. I have a 10R right now, which is a little bigger than the SE is, but I had an 8 before and I was relatively happy with it and I was kind of surprised I enjoyed the 10R as much as I do. And having continuing to have iPads with buttons on them, there's something comforting about that button and not 
I don't guess that's really a blindness-specific thing or a low-vision-specific thing, but I sometimes miss when I make my gesture. I'm trying to, you know, pull up two positions to get the app switcher open, and I miss, and the button never fails me in that way. So, and, and then Face ID is still a big issue for a lot of blind people, much more so than in the mainstream world. I don't know anybody in the mainstream world who has an issue with Face ID, but I, as a low-vision person actually do still have issues with face ID because when I use the phone, I hold it very close to my face yeah. and you have to have some distance in order for face ID to work. And so it's sort of an unnatural position. So yeah, I, I would say to somebody who was considering an SE who was low vision, think about whether the screen size is enough for you and whether you think that you would be a good candidate for face ID. And if the answer to the first question is, uh, yes, and the answer to the second question is no. Get yourself an SE. Mm. I mean, I'd love them to add a feature into the iPhone 11 or, or indeed the 10 onwards. I guess any phone that has Face ID in it, I'd love them to add a feature in where it kind of almost tells you to back up a bit. You know, it's like it tells your phone that you're visually you tell your phone you're exactly. visually impaired. Back tell, right, back up, back up, back up. Right there like we go. That's, it. Right there. That's a spot. Yeah, because when I've written about it, I've tried to tell people how far to sit back, and it's not. It's it's helpful. I usually say an arm's length or 12 inches. But what's really helpful is saying, essentially, I'm telling people to make eye contact with the eyes that they don't have with the phone. Mm. And that's what I found the most helpful. It wasn't even holding the phone at a certain distance. It was holding a phone at such a way, in such a way that my eyes were level with the camera. And that's that can certainly be done by a blind person. It doesn't require vision to do that. But it's kind of a pain. So, yeah, some sort of guidance would, would not be a bad thing. Of course, with the new iPhone 12 coming out this year, there's a rumor, at least, that it may incorporate Touch ID and Face ID. And I think for a lot of us, what do you think, Sean? Would that be the, That's would that the, be dream. the best phone? Yeah, yes. would that be the dream? I think so, because you've got the, bef the best of both worlds there with the, the security aspect, because as Apple were keen to point out, you know, Face ID is much more secure, or so they say, than Touch ID. Um, but you can't beat the convenience of Touch ID. People were still concerned when Face ID was first released about, well, what if someone grabs my phone and as they're running away, they're pointing it at me and, you know, it <laughs> unlocks. <laughs> so as Shelley rightfully said, there's some usability issues there for some people. So, uh, yeah, I think Touch ID and Face ID together would be amazing and probably something that you'd see in the top end, you know, pro line. I mean, not to stay on this too long, but I think having you here and talking about this low vision aspect of phones, one thing I've often found with the phones, and maybe it is just me, maybe it's just that, that level of vision that I have, but I just feel that the phone is so difficult to see. I mean, apps like Facebook and Twitter that don't really observe the uh, the large dynamic text option. You know, it doesn't have the rule cap you know built into it, so you can't enlarge the text. But if I pick up, say, a Samsung S10 Plus, as I've got here, um, I, that phone, the text size is incredible on it, and the screen is so vivid, and you just think, why, why haven't Apple pushed the developers to do more of that? I mean, I'm still getting emails where the text is all clumped together. Yeah. If I have large text enabled, but it's just a big of of text, that's a you know that's exactly that's what the it technical like term. Yeah, right. <laughs> just a well, no, yeah, and the developers Horrible. and the de developers like Google and Facebook. Those those are great examples because there are Google apps that I would like to use that I don't use because they don't support dynamic type on the phone, and I can't. Mm -hmm. And I'm not gonna. I don't live in Zoom. I don't feel comfortable. I, I use Zoom on a spot basis. But I would rather use dynamic type in a way, and you know. So, so my choice there is, 
you either get a big phone or you don't use apps that that are failing to support dynamic type. And that's the choice I've made because I just don't want an enormous phone. I have tiny little hands and I don't want the phone to fall out <laughs> oh. of them. <laughs> um, I also noticed that the magnification app got some improvements in iOS 14. Um, sorry, I'm using the wrong word. When I say magnification, I don't mean the zoom feature. I'm talking about yeah, the, the magnifier um, app is what you're, it's yeah, now an app the magnifier for one thing. App, thank you. Uh, so, so before it was just built in and you could access it through accessibility shortcut and through control center. And now there's actually an app. I've only opened it up and, and looked at it. It's, it basically is more of the same thing in the sense that you have, you can do multiple freeze frames, which is great because the thing I use magnifier for the most is looking at food labels. And I would yes. have to just freeze frame that and read the recipe or read the ingredients. And so you've got a few more options to it. And I, I just, people always ask me when we talk about magnifier, and it's a perfectly legit question, is there any reason anymore to buy a portable handheld magnifier anymore? And, and there's less and less reason. Magnifier was never the best way to use your iPhone to magnify. There are actually some really good and, you know, Sherlocked old magnification apps that I kind yeah. of like better. But I'm glad they're giving Magnifier some attention because it was it was not all it could be. And I haven't seen it on the phone yet. I have uh, the beta on my iPad. So uh, it's going to be a different dynamic because one of the issues with Magnifier was that you couldn't use the whole screen for magnification because all the controls were down at the bottom. And I'd like to be able to swipe those away and, and Maybe they've done that with the new one. I don't know yet. Yeah. What uh, what apps do you use for magnification? What are your choices? There's one called Magnifier Plus, which I can't tell you how long it's been since it's been updated. But what I like it is about it is that the full screen is available for magnification. There are little controls over on the edge, which I suppose could be an issue if you if your low vision is such that you couldn't manipulate them. But I find it easy to use, and it's it's not. I think I paid five dollars for it, so it's there's a there's a free version and there's a paid version, but all of the names are very similar. I'd have to send you a, a link to be sure that it was the right one. I mean, you can look for Magnifier Plus, but you will find like five or ten of them with the yes. name that's very similar. I want to talk about some other things because you know, obviously, the iPhone is is. I'm big sorry, top. that's all I do. I just do iPhone. Well, uh, well, so do we. Shelley's uh, like, and we get in trouble for that every single week. Right. Uh, so I suppose we really should mention some other companies uh, because you know iOS 14 is is certainly the big story of the week for sure. But there are some other stories doing the runs. Uh, Google apparently buying the glasses smart glasses company called North, which is uh, rather interesting. Uh, how excited are you, Shelley, about smart glasses, whatever they come from? I'll be honest, I, I hadn't been excited about them until the chatter started talking, coming from Apple be, about them, coming about... We're back to start Apple. Again, start again, <laughs> going back to Apple, because I trust them to make, I trust them to pay attention to the accessibility. The thing about smart glasses is that usually the metaphor is there's some sort of little screen in your eye that you're going to interact with. And I don't think as a low vision person, I'm ever going to be able to do that. Mm. And I feel like the company that can create a, a from-the-ground-up accessibility experience so that a blind person or a person with low vision can can use the glasses uh, is is going to be the ones that I'm going to be going to be interested in. And, and, you know, Google hasn't so far done that. I don't know anything about North's products, but I feel like, you know, Apple has a good shot at it if anybody's going to do it. I guess the question will be, what they intend the glasses to be for, and thus what accessibility they 
prioritize? You know, or that is 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 it for navigation, which is what I'd like them for? I don't really want to e- read my email in my eyes. I don't want to do a Google Glass thing where I'm like checking Twitter from my eyeglasses. That's not interesting to me. I want it for navigation. I want it for something. You know, a, some a tool like Ira or or. Uh, yes. Mostly, mostly what I think of as navigation. I know people want to use it for media consumption, which would be sort of interesting. I kind of feel like the screen's not going to be big enough for that to be interesting for me to watch television through my glasses. So just let me navigate with them, and then I'll be happy. What are you with this, Sean? Because I, I often think with these glasses, you've got to think about the mainstream and you know everybody who's going to be using these. It's, these are not being built for blind people. And I think when it comes to this. Think about driving. You know how can how could you possibly put a product out there? Which you know, let's let's say you don't know much about this tech, and you've bought a pair of these amazing new smart glasses, and suddenly you're driving down the road, and the next minute your eyes are you know taken over by messages or WhatsApps or you know Facebook <laughs> messages or Twitter messages, and suddenly you th- I can't see a, a damn thing in front of me. Um, you know what? You know that that can't be how it's going to work. Surely uh, that, that's not going to be feasible, is it? No, and. Besides, well, I, let's just say I don't think they'll enable me to be driving down the road with smart glasses. You know, that's that's a long shot. But um, no, I don't think I don't think the display technology is there, and that's the thing that's holding these back. Because let's be brutally honest, smart glasses are going to be primarily, you know, all about the visuals. As mm. Shelley said, it's all about getting that information directly into someone's eye line. The visuals are currently notifications in a more in your peripheral vision. It's like a heads-up display. We're not talking virtual reality, total immersion. So I don't think that is going to be so much of an issue. Of course, there's going to be a debate about distraction, though. You know, it's a lot like using a mobile phone whilst driving. It's going to be distracting either way. But going back to our interest in it, I think purely it's to have that camera and those sensors. Um, easily available and where they are located on your face is going to be so much better for us than having to get your phone out if you want to do a be my eyes or an ira or you know ocr's your your post it just makes more sense it makes it more convenient to have the camera there so i'm more interested into the movement of getting those sensors out of your pocket and actually onto your face where they're easily accessible um so yeah i'm not sure about how how this move by Google will impact accessibility. Um, North have a a good reputation of moving away from that bulky headset um, sort of thing. But then Google Glass did the same thing, and that really didn't take off. So, yeah, who knows? It's an interesting thing to watch and we're it seems like we're on the edge of something exciting but well just it doesn't feel to me like the the wearable market has taken off the way that the i guess a lot of companies hoped it would have uh well, you look know at the smart watch you know it's... well exactly that's right and and you know the same with google glass and you know, other products have come along look at bose recently with frames they, they've dumped the ar program so that's moving away i mean the bose frames still remain but you know what will happen to to them in the future will that even continue uh, facebook uh, have been working on uh, virtual reality headsets uh, for a long time, of course, with the Oculus Rift and the Oculus Quest. Uh, but now there's a new proof-of-concept VR headset, which apparently uh, looks exactly like a pair of sunglasses. Now, I've had a, a brief close-up look at these, this picture, uh, which is exactly that. It just looks like a big pair of sunglasses, but there's no screen, obviously. The, the cameras or whatever it is that's on the front are sending images back to the headset. Uh, it's quite a different design 
to what you would imagine as virtual reality, the big, bulky headsets. Uh, for you, Shelley, is, this, is, is, is virtual reality an option for you? I don't know. I tend to think not. And I feel like for a while, virtual reality is going to continue to be about gaming, mostly because that's where the money is. So if you yeah. want to do something else with virtual reality, you're going to have to turn a profit, which is what the issues with the wearables market, particularly the face wearables market, are having. You know, how are you? What's the what's the killer app? And it feels like the the wrist wearables market has turned that corner. And Apple said, "Sorry, uh, <laughs> I get money every time I say Apple." <laughs> they said, "Look, we're a fitness watch, right? Fit, Fitbit is a fitness watch. Apple, all, all the the people that are making wrist wearables are making fitness products, and that's like." That's their sweet spot. They do other things, and they're probably going to continue to add things to what they do. But the things you wear on your face for a while are going to be about gaming, I feel. And Google wants to get beyond that. But one of the reasons, one of the many reasons Google last failed in its first go-round was it was trying to do things that people didn't really want or know they wanted yet, and it wasn't doing them well enough. And if gaming is the financial means by which you use technology to build new things, I'll just wait, you know. <laughs> we can wait. Yeah, I agree. I, I think for me, it's one of those things, the first time I tried on a virtual reality headset, I felt like I was able to sit in a theater watching my Netflix program without having to you know, stare at or, or be as close to the screen as I would have had to be in a real cinema. But, you know, it's a very bulky, big headset sitting in front of a, a Netflix program or a movie for, say, an hour and a half or two hours or, in the case of The Irishman, four weeks. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it would be just kind of nice not to have to wear this big, bulky thing. And this this concept from Facebook does suggest that nine millimeters thick more like a big, thick pair of, of glasses um, than actually like a, like a headset. So I think it's an interesting idea. But, uh, yeah, whether it's good for us or not, who knows? Uh, look, stick around. We've got lots more to talk about. Um, what's your thoughts on JAWS, uh, Shelley? Are you a JAWS user at all, or do you stick with low vision? I am or... not a JAWS user myself. I have been JAWS adjacent for many years. I've, uh, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people who have used it, and uh, it's kind of been the... The sort of default for most people in in screen reader land on the PC side until relatively recently. Mm, okay, well, we're going to be talking a bit about this because it's been an ongoing debate on Double Tap Canada about Jaws. Is it worth the money? Um, we're going to get some conversation on that and also get some views uh, from you as well. If you want to get in touch, you can do so. You can join in our conversation every week. All you've got to do is uh, drop us an email to feedback at ami.ca. Or, Sean, what's the phone number? That's one 509 4545 Stick around. We'll have more on Double Tap Canada in a moment. And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. Hey, welcome back. It's Stephen Scott. I've got Sean Priest and Shelley Brisbane with me this week. Shelley, tell people where they can listen to you outside of this program. Oh, lots of places. But let's just start with uh, my show Parallel, which is a biweekly podcast about technology with accessibility sprinkles. And that can be found at relay.fm slash parallel. Why didn't we get that tagline? Tech with sprinkles. That's beautiful. Because I thought of it first. You oh. can't have it. 
Yeah, that and also uh, the sprinkles would be food-related in our case. Um, <laughs> Probably so, custard. See earlier segment. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's uh, get into the WeWalk Smart Cane because I took it for a bit of a test drive this week. I was hoping to record something for you guys so I could uh, let you hear me walking about. But to be honest, it was so wet and miserable when I went outside. I was prepared to take the WeWalk Cane that I've been given a loan of. I wasn't taking my Zoom recorder. Uh, so <laughs> I just didn't want to chance it. Uh, it's an interesting little cane. So it's essentially, and what I like about this, and in some ways there's a lot of positives here, um, what I like about it is the way that it's built, as in the cane part itself. It actually comes with uh, an Ambutech cane, in this case, that you can change if you want to. And obviously you can change the cane to a different length or whatever else. The, the top of it, the head part of it, which is the, the replacement handle, if you like, for the cane, that is the bit you're really buying. And um, it gives you haptic feedback. Uh, when you walk around using a little uh, sensor on the device, which scans everything from sort of chest height and upwards, so you can avoid things like branches, overhanging trees, uh, and in some cases, people as well. And I actually was interested in this because a few weeks ago here on Double Tap, we talked about the WeWalk cane and the technology they were putting into it to try and help with social distancing. Again, you can set a distance and it means that when you're walking down the street, if someone comes up ahead of you into, into that distance, then it will the, the cane will give you some haptic feedback, some response to that. Um, I quite like the idea. I, I, one thing I find with this, it's very similar to the Sunu band, which we talked about before on the show, and that is uh, a band that you wear around your wrist. I call it an inhaler on your wrist because it looks like an inhaler. Yeah. It does. It's got that big sticky out bit at the bottom, and that's your, your the sensor, essentially, that, that is sending out the, the radar, if you like, that is you know, scanning. Sonar, yeah. yeah. But it was radar to an extent, but yeah, sonar, that is um, that is being used to scan your environment. What you do is as you walk... You have your kind of hand down by your side. So this watch you're wearing with this sonar scanner in it is, you know, looking out in front of you and is observing what's going on. It's giving you haptic feedback. And I found that pretty interesting. But the issue I've had with this, and I had the same with this We Walk Cane today, is that it gives you an awful lot of feedback. And not all of it makes any sense. Uh, and I didn't really feel that a lot of the feedback I was getting was helping me. In some cases, I actually thought, I'm getting so much feedback from this cane. It's telling me there's something in front of me all the time, near enough. Mm. Um, but I think maybe by playing with the settings, adjusting the distances as well, uh, bringing some of those default settings down a bit would be uh, would be, be helpful. But there, there are smarts in this as well. I mean, it has got an app, a companion app, which you download to your phone first. And there's a very helpful tutorial once you've uh, logged in, you've signed up for an account with WeWalk. Um, you get a very helpful tutorial that will kind of guide you through how to use uh, the cane. It operates via a touchpad, which is on the top of the cane. So as you hold it, the, the flat ridge that you would find on any white cane, um, that is, is the flat edge runs right along. There's two buttons, which I couldn't understand what these were for. Um, one, has, one is marked L and one is marked R in Braille. Uh, no, I am not that stupid. I understood that one was for left and one was for right. But I had no idea what the purpose of that was, other than, I guess, for somebody to maybe know what way around to hold the thing. But I don't know how you wouldn't know which way around to hold it. Yeah. Because there is only, there's a, you know, the cane only sticks out of one end of it. So I don't know. But anyway, that's that aside. Uh, above that, you've got the touchpad, which you can swipe on. Interestingly, when you set it up and you go through the, the tutorial process, it doesn't tell you what the gestures are for. It just tells you, 
what the gestures are and how to do them and it allows you to test them and it's that's great and it, and it works uh, but it doesn't explain much about what these are so there's a bit of a disconnect there between what the gestures do and what you can actually do with the gestures so a lot of it is is very much a, a journey of discovery by just swiping around and seeing what happens in some cases nothing yeah in some cases it will it will speak back to you and the information comes verbally back to you via a speaker built in to the cane handle itself which i think is quite an interesting idea your hand your hands over this uh, speaker most of the time so that's not perfect um and as a cane it's fine some people say it's a bit top heavy but i think this new version is certainly a lot lighter than the previous version of the we walk cane i don't know about the one you tried shelly um it was pretty heavy the first time i tried it I think less heavy than just awkward because it does mm. have that big electronic box on the top that has the speaker on it. And that was the question that I had is the speaker. I, I don't know how much vol video audio you want of your cane to be going out in public. So that was my question is like, does that seem, does it feel odd when you're using the speaker? And then secondly, because the speaker sounded a little tinny to me, I was a little worried about the, the quality of it, and you were talking about raining, and that would be my biggest worry, that if you have the speaker, it would get wet, and that would be a bad thing. Well, the speaker survived, and so did the cane, which is good news. Um, but yeah, the, the sound is a problem. In the house, it felt quiet, and that worried me initially, and I did manage to turn the volume up to 100 on the app. So when I was outside, I, I did a bit of just basic navigation. And how it works is it connects to your phone. You can use the app on the phone to pick out a, a choice of nearby places or, for example, nearby bus stops. Uh, and that's what I did. I chose a bus stop and I uh, was able to navigate to that bus stop using the cane. And the information, the directional information comes from the cane itself. And you can actually set it to give you that information once or on a repeat, which I did, and then I instantly regretted um, because every if you stopped for a second, you're just getting the instructions barked at you. Um, when you're out and about, it is it's not it's not loud enough to hear, but it's loud enough to be obvious that something's talking and it isn't you. And I wonder if that could be a problem at some point that you're so struggling to hear it. Yes, uh, and you don't want to be stopping all the time. The whole point is this should keep you moving. It has headphones, um, yes, or is, is it Bluetooth? Or you you can make that speaker not be talking. Well, that's I, I haven't found that yet. That's not I didn't see any option for that to enable okay. Bluetooth. I could be wrong, but it. my memory is that's the kind of question I would have asked, and so I have mm. in my mind that it's either. It's, it's got to be Bluetooth because you surely wouldn't want, as there's thinking about this, you, you wouldn't really want wired headphones all tangled up with your cane. No. That would be a disaster if you had that. That's <laughs> the biggest issue with this for me, though, is if it is through that external speaker only, um, I think that's a big, that's a big problem. I well, it, it, especially because if I think back to the Sunu band, the Sunu band was great because all the information that came from the band, the, the band itself had no speaker in it. Everything was read out through the app. And I actually thought that was quite a clever design. A few people didn't like it at the time. I actually liked that because it meant I could have an AirPod in, I could have my iPhone in my pocket, and everything I was doing on the watch came through um, the phone and, and, and into my AirPod. And I actually really liked that. And I, I kind of wish this was the same. And I, even if the, it was an option would be good. And I haven't found the option. And this is actually a really important point. There are a lot of features to this. I think there's a ton of features I just haven't found yet. Because the information isn't there for me to to get that information because I've gone through the website, I've been looking at the manual, I've been going through the tutorial again on the web on, on the app itself. 
And it doesn't give you an awful lot of information. It just tells you the very basics. And I think that's fine to some degree, but at the same token, if there are key features in this that like, for example, the ability to switch the speaker to Bluetooth or to run the the audio from the cane actually through the phone, I'd, I'd rather have that option up front and I'd rather know that. It doesn't seem to be an option that I can find. Uh, it doesn't mean to say it's not there. It just means it's hidden somewhere. I didn't even realize that by swiping on the touchpad, because nothing told me this, by swiping on the touchpad of the cane when the cane is on, you can actually find that menu that's on your phone. You can go through the menu of you know navigation and finding places. Again, this is something you can do with the Sunu Band. And I wouldn't have realized how all that worked had I not had the Sunu Band. And most people who are buying this probably won't have had that experience. So... You know, I think maybe the information needs to be a bit clearer from WeWalk in this one. Um, but as a, as a smart cane, it's a standard white cane with this smart attachment giving you that extra haptic feedback. And that's the key thing. That's what you're buying it for. It's giving you that additional information. The idea being that you can avoid obstacles as opposed to walk into them first and navigate your way around them. So I think what I'd say is, it's probably being sold. Well, it's not being sold this way, but I would I would sell it. If I was selling it today, and I'm not, but if I was, I would say it's the in-between a white cane or a long cane and a guide dog. That's kind of where I would see it. Um, really? Do you find that well, sonar well, is is useful as a mobility aid? Well, day one, let's see how I feel in, on day 14. Yeah, but you've um, had the Sunu band for a while now. Well, again, I go back to my point about the challenges I have getting... I, I get so much information from all these Exactly. Devices. So does that make it... That's the problem. It, it, you know, it's not really fit for purpose or not. I, I'd be interested to see or hear from any listeners out there who who find sonar really a viable option and a, a good aid to mobility because I'm not entirely convinced. Well, it's funny because I'm intrigued by the place finding and identification for the simple reason that even though I have apps that will do that on my phone, I have to pull them out I have to open the app. I have to stop going where I'm going. In mm. theory, if it worked well on a cane, I could be making forward progress, looking for that bus stop. And one of the things I really like to do, and especially in an environment I don't know well, is know what's around me. Oh, there's a noodle shop over there. There's a dry cleaners. Yeah. And yep. that you can do that with something like BlindSquare, but you got to interact with it. And then you have to say, okay, well, I want to go to the noodle shop. You have to pull your phone out, you have to mm. swipe through it with voiceover and all that. So in theory, if the cane worked, and especially for things like bus stops, where you're trying to find a very specific spot that's probably relatively near you, but you might be 100 yards away, you might be on the wrong side of the street, that sort of thing. And this this seems like if it worked well, it could be great for that. There are two features to it that I want to tell you about. And unfortunately, the way the cane is built, and again, this may be something that can be changed in it, and hopefully I'll come back next week and say, yeah, yeah, found the solution to this. There's certainly no obvious solution to it at the moment. Uh, and, and it's a feature where you, you can either have the gesture that's involved, essentially, means that you can only have one of these features in action. You can't have both of them via different gestures. It doesn't seem to be a way to customize that at the moment. Um, and the features are... If you've got an Amazon Echo mute for a second, because I am going to say the word, you can have Alexa on there. Um, I'm sold. I want is, one. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? And this is the thing. So this this does do what you want, Sean, where you use the cane and you double tap and hold on the, the cane on the touchpad and you'll hear a ba-bump. 
And then that is the microphone activating. You can then ask the cane a question. I mean, things are getting ridiculous. But yeah, you can ask your cane like what Harry the time Potter. is. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can ask your cane what the time is. Now, if uh, only and... it could fly like a broom. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and then it'll tell you. But it'll tell you via the phone, which is interesting. So it doesn't do it on mm. the speaker of the cane. So this is the oh. kind of disjointed thing going on. I want to be blasting um, out the Bee Gees as I'm strutting down the street. <laughs> I guess that's cane. because it's relying on either both the internet connection of the phone and yeah. the the a lady yeah uh inside of it right the app you, you're gonna have that's probably why and you need to link an account with it beforehand yeah. you, know, what, you have to do all that first you've got to set that up and it's a fairly simple process but you've got to do that um if you turn off that feature if you turn off the alexa feature you can uh double tap and hold and you'll get a horn oh that's good i'm sold again <laughs> i'm ordering i have to be honest this this did freak me out a little bit uh, because I thought, really, I'm going to... Be, I mean, it, it, this is for people who cannot say the words, excuse me. Um, <laughs> because you're going to do that. You're going to walk down the street. And uh, let me see if I can demo this here so you can actually hear it. So I'm going to turn oh, the key so. first. Oh, hang on. Tell what I'm going to do. I'm going to see... Because it's buzzing away like crazy because obviously I'm in a, a cramped room here. So let me... You're going to hear the buzzing. So I'm going to double tap on the cane. Uh, so I double tap and hold on the touchpad. Oh. Oh, no, it's back. Oh, no, it's not. It's buzzing pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's not, buzzing well. It's yeah, nothing like yeah. a live demo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the horn's not working. <laughs> <laughs> He's broken his horn already. <laughs> I can't get it to work. Why is that? I don't know. Um, okay, well, that was a... Hang on. He's determined. He won't give up. Fix it I, I, I'm not going to give up. I'm, I'm going to be here. Yeah. Cancel the next show. <laughs> no, I can't get it to work. I can't get it to work. Be- That's irritating. I'd be really interested in something that could just control a smartphone from your cane. You know, something... Do you remember the... Was it called the 06 Ring? That, oh, yeah. Like a remote 06, control yeah. that you could use to go through every item and select and click on uh, whatever item on your iPhone or smartphone. Just having that on the handle of your cane, I think, would be really useful. Just something and you could would, control your phone. And it would solve my issue with wanting to do navigation because I could still have AirPods or some sort of earbuds exactly. in, yeah. but I could use my cane to navigate. I mean, I love that idea. And I, I mean, I've always called watches remote controls for phones because that's really their highest and best use because you can play music or whatever. But yeah. if I could have it on a cane, it's right there. I don't even have to like twist my wrist around. Yeah, I think I think that's it. It's almost like everything. This cane has everything we might want in it. It just doesn't, you know, have it in that one. Um, Except a horn. But yeah. <laughs> Except a horn, which doesn't work. Except I'm going to get that to work later. That's going to really okay. irritate me. Stay tuned to um, uh, the end of the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cliffhanger. That's right. At the very end of the show, we'll, we'll, because this this is recorded, right? So we'll we'll paste in uh, at the very end of the show the sound of the horn. Welcome just to so the that behind can... the scenes of Double Tap Canada, everyone. That's right. Yeah, I, I, there's no point it's lying, Shelley. No one, no one thinks <laughs> this is know. live. They, people know how tape works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They get they get how this works. So we'll paste it all in a bit later. Anyway, and, uh, and don't so send the... your emails. I know I said tape. So in in radio, where I work for my day job, <laughs> that's the word that we use. And I was astonished and. and amused when i first learned that oh we're going to go tape a segment yeah we actually use 3m tape no we don't (laughs) (laughs) 
but that's I what know. we call it. I still talk about it with TV. I'll say, oh, I must tape that. Yeah, that's, the, that's the thing I always say. Yeah. Um, it's shocking, I know. Um, anyway, it's We Walk is the name of the cane, all one word. And uh, if you want to buy it today, it's a $449, $449 pre-order. Um, and this is the special edition, as it's called. Um, you can uh, get it. It's an interesting product for sure. I, I think um, I, I, I've not spent enough time with it, truthfully. I need to spend more time with it, and I want to do that this week. So, you know, I, I'm going to be using this as my cane uh, for the next couple of weeks just to see how I get on with it. And I think by doing that, it will force me to to really give it a proper test. And I, yeah. I'd love to come back in a couple of weeks and say it's, it's actually better than, than I thought. Um, and maybe there's more things we can do with it. But I, I do think the biggest issue so far, uh, just in this discovery period that I'm in, is understanding how this uh, particular uh, thing can be can be used in, in all the different ways, what these gestures can do and all of that stuff. But yeah, like I say, we'll get into that over the next few weeks. Um, let's talk about uh, some other stuff because, uh, you know, we get lots of and lots of emails in regarding JAWS, and it feels like we've been getting this for forever now, um, conversations about JAWS versus MVDA versus Narrator, and of course, you know, should people pay for JAWS and all of that? Well, look, let, let's get some email on this. Uh, Mark Aflalo's here with the, uh, the emails this week. Uh, Mark, let's hear from Gordon. Gordon Anthony writes, Dear Double Tappers, I've been using JAWS for several years now. I have to say it's set up just the way I like. I don't claim to be an expert, but I know enough to get my PC to do what I want most of the time. As an example of something I'd like to be able to do with a quick keystroke rather than adjust settings, I use Word for writing books and articles. When I do this, I use the quick settings to have JAWS announce all punctuation. That helps ensure I've got all the punctuation correct. When reading back, though, I set punctuation to none, as this gives better flow to whatever I've written. I know it's not a huge problem opening the quick settings, searching for punctuation, and tabbing to the settings I want, but I wondered whether a JAWS script could allow me to use a keystroke combination that could instantly toggle between the two settings. Is that even possible? Mm, interesting question. Well, you would think with JAWS that would be possible, or at least with scripting it would be possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure you need to go down the route of scripting to do something like that. Now, again, I'm not a big JAWS user, but I would hope that there would be uh, some way to, to assign that to a keystroke. Um, but yeah, maybe our listeners will know. Shelley, are you, are you into this? I'm just asking you a little bit this about using JAWS. You, you don't use a screen reader at all, do you? Do you? I don't. I, I sometimes, well, I'll use it on iOS. I'll use VoiceOver, but I mm. don't use a screen reader on a Mac or a PC. So I was afraid you were going to ask me to solve this reader's question, and I am sadly not competent to do so. <laughs> no, neither are we. No, uh, you're um, fine. You're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're in the right place Over here. Over three. But our listeners will. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. And if you do have an answer, then get in touch. But I think you're right, Sean. I think there might be uh, some features already built in that will allow that to, to happen. Um, okay, let's get another email, Mark. Hi, guys. A few times now I've heard you talk about screen readers, and listeners are emailing and complaining about the price of JAWS. I've been a JAWS user for 20 years. I have to agree the cost is too high, but I haven't heard anyone mention what you get for that price. If you purchase JAWS from a dealer, then you can call them or email them for support and training. You can also call Freedom Scientific Tech Support, and no one has a number of training materials such as webinars, extensive help built into their products, and don't get me wrong, I use NVDA, and my hat goes off to them for all their work, but their basic training ebook is 30 Australian dollars. The Excel training book is $30. Microsoft Word training is $30. Their basic training audio is $45. Outlook, you get the point. The Windows One core voices are okay, but if you want others, like Vocalizer, there's another cost. So if someone's new to screen readers and they choose NVDA, there could be costs involved to get support and training. It's an interesting point, actually, uh, from that email from Ryan, who uh, got in touch with us. Uh, 
you know, there, there are still some costs attached to MVDA. So it's not really fair to say that JAWS is the only one that costs money. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't argue any of the points that Ryan made there. Perfectly valid. I will say, look, NVDA is initially free to download. Um, lots of people don't like the Windows One Core or back in the day, the eSpeak synth voices. So would go out and spend extra money on new voices like Vocalizer, for example. But even with that, you know, that's a one-time purchase. That's it. You're done. But then again, if you're someone who's coming to use a screen reader for the first time, you do need that support. So that extra training material comes in incredibly useful. So, yeah, it's tricky. Valid points, though. But a lot of people are using screen readers for the first time in educational environments. And that seems like a perfect place to learn JAWS as your first screen reader because those site licenses exist and everybody can learn something that is a skill that will be useful wherever they are. And then if they're going out on their own, whether for work or for in the, for their own personal reasons, they could stick with JAWS or they could go to NVDA. Yeah. But it's terrible that it costs 30 or $40 to learn Excel if you need to learn Excel and you don't have 30 or $40, but I don't need to learn Excel, so I'm not going to spend that money. So... It's it's sort of a modular cost, you know. What where do you 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 have a free screen reader and you allocate some of your scarce resources to let's say I need voices and I need core training. Well, maybe I don't need Word and maybe I don't need Excel or or maybe I do, but I you know I don't I don't think that makes one better than the other. I just think people need to understand their options, and I actually think the the listener did a pretty good job of laying them out and yeah. helping people sort of process, well, maybe am I, am I, is JAWS best suited for my needs or is NVDA suited for my needs? Or will maybe narrator suffice? Probably no, but... Yeah. And, and here's the thing. If you want narrator, it's there. It's, it's built into Microsoft. If you want to try NVDA, you can download it, and that's great. And hey, you can even get JAWS for free as well, at least on a 40-minute demo. You can download it. And uh, you can have it, you know, in the 40-minute demo to try it, get used to it, see what you think. But I guess the, the only thing I would say about JAWS is it's not something you can learn over a week. You know, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of investment uh, to do. And th that can be the challenge. And the other issue for a lot of people, you know, with JAWS, maybe not so much, but for other screen readers like we've heard already, resources, access to resources. And that's a, a point that uh, Tiffany brings up this week on voicemail. Hello, everybody. This is Tiffany with a message for Double Tap Canada. You can play this on the show. Save everybody from the custard that Stephen was talking about, and I'll have no idea what custard is. <laughs> but anyway, um, so Stephen was talking about this Fire tablet. I forget which one you said you had. Oh, yeah. Has that gotten better with the accessibility? Because I had one a couple of years ago, and I couldn't even turn on the screen reader without sighted assistance and then sometimes it would randomly shut off i don't know if it was uh the software the hardware user error i have no idea um <laughs> but the screen reader back then on there it, it was okay but not the best so has, have they improved that any or um just curious to hear your thoughts on that and as for the screen reader uh battle debate thing um yeah, you're right. I mean, it really depends on what are you using it for? What do you need it to do? Now, something I've started doing, about four years ago when I started learning, I learned a little bit of JAWS. I didn't take to it very well, but anyway, I had a teacher showing me JAWS, and she gave me this uh, thumb drive full of podcasts to help on JAWS, you know, kind of like you might get from Apple Vest to help get you started. 
and I noticed uh, I started my own tech group for the blind on Facebook, and I've noticed you really can't find that for narrator, or at least you know demos on how to change different things or do different things with narrator, or at least not that I could find. So what I've started doing is every now and then, when I have the time when I'm not working, I'll go on there and do live tech demos to kind of show people this is how, you know, this is how you make it go. This is how how it works. And um, demonstrate and explain that um, to help people. But anyway, um, thanks for the show. That was another good one. Thanks, Tiffany. Uh, yeah, I, I got to say, I find the same challenge. I mean, there is a complete guide to narrator you can find off Microsoft's website. Uh, just you know, just searching uh, Google for narrator uh, guide uh, Microsoft, and you'll get that. And and that's pretty good. It's a lot of information to take in, uh, certainly at once. But you know, that's right. The, the podcasts and the the content around it there just doesn't seem to be that sort of you know that the, the sort of YouTube style. I think that's the problem. A lot of people want that kind of YouTube quick hit. You know, how do I do this? And there's a YouTube video to answer. Yeah. If I want to know how to, you know. Uh, change a light bulb in an Ikea lamp. I can do that easy, right? But, you know, I can get that video, but I can't get, you know, how do I, how do I get the say all command in narrator to work? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think resources is a challenge. On the point about the Fire Tablet, uh, yeah, accessibility is a lot better. If you want to get the screen reader up and running on a Fire Tablet when you buy it, it's just holding down those two fingers on the screen and it will enable the the screen reader which is great setup that is uh so that's good um but yeah the screen reader you know the problem is i always compare it back to an ipad and you can't do that it's unfair uh because it's not you know and and it's the price point it clearly shows that but it's for someone who's starting out for someone who's new to tablets or or just wants something to consume uh, books or you know just to listen to amazon music or whatever then it's not a bad tablet i know sean disagrees um no i don't at all (laughs) Yes. Well, I, I just say you get the performance you pay for. And although something may be accessible, technically, uh, when it comes to actually using that accessibility, it could be more frustrating than actually usable. I'll make an analogy here is that I just recently got a big TV, uh, which has the smart TV options with Netflix and Disney Plus and all the other beautiful things on it. And it also has the voice guide screen reader. Yet, if you try and use the screen reader in Netflix, it's so slow and so behind whatever I'm doing on the screen, it's unusable. So technically accessible, but when it comes to actually using it, it's unusable. And although the Amazon Fire tablet isn't quite that bad, it's, uh, it is sometimes frustrating to use. Shelley, ever tried a Fire tablet? I had a first, have a first generation one, and the fact that I haven't used it in a long time may indicate my feeling about it. Except I did like it for reading Kindle books because it had a self-voicing feature that was kind of nice and allowed me to listen to a Kindle book and also follow along with it visually because there were a few settings that I could use to adjust the the contrast, and, and it worked just as seamlessly, if not more so, than an iPad for that purpose, probably because it was native to Kindle. But it's not the main tablet I use even for a consuming device in my living room. It's the main tablet I use when I want to read a Kindle book, and I've remembered to charge it because I often forget. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It's the thing you forget to go back to because you don't use it that much, I know. Um, Hey, listen, it's been great having you on the show, Shelley. Thank you so much for coming on. Remind us where we can listen to you. 
Well, thanks for having me. It was delightful to be here again. Uh, I can be found at relay.fm slash parallel. That's my biweekly show about technology with accessibility sprinkles. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. Um, and I usually will chat about uh, accessibility or other things. And then the Maxisability Roundtable over at maxisability.net. It's uh, also a biweekly podcast. Uh, we say Apple so many times on that podcast that you, you couldn't even, like, you know, have any sort of bet or financial. It's just like it's built in. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I think it says a lot about the company and its approach to accessibility and how baked in it is and how well it works. And, you know, that that's just the end of the story for a lot of people. However, uh, you know, yeah. there are other options out there. I'm at pains to say, although I do, I am often in pain when I say that. Uh, look, that's it for our show this week. Thank you so much. We'll be back again next week. Keep in touch in the usual way. Give us a call, drop us a voicemail or an email. We'll catch you again next time for another Double Tap Canada. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.